0: Prophetic Living with Andrea Matthews is brought to you by Spirituality and Health Magazine, The Soul-Body Connection. Visit SpiritualityHealth.com today. Good afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
1: Good afternoon. We're going to have a talk today about a very important issue. The question is, is the law of attraction really working? And like any new thought, humanity has had to experiment with this law of attraction, which is not so very old, at least in our conscious understanding of it. Uh, And we've had to experiment with that for a while to see if it's really effective. And we've got mixed reviews on that front. Some people are saying that the law of attraction has brought them excellent results, but others are saying that they struggle and struggle to think so-called positive thoughts and eliminate all negative energy without much change. Well, we're not going to debunk the law of attraction today, but we might need to rethink how we look at it, what it really means. Perhaps there are some deeper esoteric meanings to this law of attraction that we have yet to consider. We've, we've worked with it for a while now, and what has happened is that over time, as people have struggled, we've come to um, put in place some strategies that are supposed to help us to bring the law of attraction to To our service so that we're taking this universal law and we're joining with it and we're we're putting it to work for us and we're working with it that's the whole nature of it and the the potential is that we are able to attract to ourselves from the external world all the things that we need that will make us happy all the things that we want and need that will make us happy we'll be able to fulfill our dreams in the world There's a lot of of double messaging going on with this whole thing, though, because on the one hand, the New Age New Thought movement is sort of telling us that we live in a world of illusion. And on the other hand, we're being told that we must attract from the world what we want. And that makes it a little bit confusing. For those people for whom the law of attraction is working, in, in the sense that they believe that they are drawing from the external world what they want and need and dream of, Um, This show might seem like it's debunking the law, but in fact what we're doing is challenging some of what we've understood. In other words, our current understanding of the law of of attraction is being challenged to maybe uh, realign itself with something more universal, with more universal principles. For example, one of the things that a lot of uh, the people who espouse the law of attraction tell us is that the old sacred texts the Buddhist texts, the Christian texts, the um, uh, Tanakh of the Hebrew Bible, the um, Bhagavad Gita, the Hindu Bible, and some of uh, even Rumi's words will tell us about that the law of attraction does work. One of the quotes that they use for that is this one, which is Buddhist uh, in nature. It says, We are what we think. All that we are arises with our thoughts. With our thoughts, we make the world. Now, taken out of context, that statement could seem to be saying that yes, indeed, the law of attraction really does work. We create our world by our thoughts. But on the other hand, we have to question that because uh, the same Buddha also wrote uh, this, taken from the Surangama Sutra, translated by Upasaka Luquan Yu in 1966. You should know. That the essential Bodhi is wondrous and bright, being neither cause nor condition, neither self as such nor not self as such, neither unreality nor not reality, for it is beyond all forms and is identical with all things. How can you now think of it and use frivolous terminology of the world to express it? This is like trying to catch or touch the voice with your hand. You will not only tire yourself, for how can you catch the void? So what we're being told there is that the Bodhi, which is uh, the, defined as the awakened person, is neither cause nor condition. So how is it that we think that we can cause an attraction with our thoughts? Or to think that is to sort of try to grab hold of that void. So now, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we don't attract. We definitely attract. But what is it that is attracting And how does this attraction process really work? Is it really our thoughts that attract? Because if that's so, then I have a story to tell you. Once upon a time, when I was a child, uh, my job was to uh, empty the trash cans. And I was often a slacker in that regard, so I didn't empty the trash cans until night came. And, of course, then my mother came to me and said, why haven't you emptied the trash can? Go empty the trash cans right now, which... I did not want to do because it was dark outside. But since I hadn't done it earlier, I was supposed to do it now. So my job was to take the trash cans out to uh, across my long, dark backyard and into the little small gateway of a fence and into the alley behind the house where I would put it in the garbage can and they would pick it up the next day. So I would be very, very frightened that... Some horrible man was going to be in the back alley, and he was going to kidnap me and murder me. And I don't even know where those thoughts came from, but those are the thoughts I had. And I was terrified the whole way. I had this imagination going, and my emotions were going, and my thoughts were going. And I had this image that he was what he looked like, and I could even smell what he smelled like, and I could even feel his arms around my shoulders and even feel my heels dragging against the, the uh, alleyway as he took me or stole me away from my family forever. And, and then once I, you know, after I, with trepidation, peered through the gate to see if I could see him because the gate was covered with honeysuckle, um, and then finally threw the trash at the trash can, missing sometimes lots of pieces of trash ended up on the ground that way, and then running back to the house like a cheetah, a feeling that he was right behind me and was going to capture me any moment. Now, that happened several years Many nights, because I was a slackard, I did not empty those trash cans regardless of the consequences, and yet I never attracted a man in the dark alleys of my life. I was doing all the image work. I was doing all the thinking. I was doing sensitive work. I was really putting myself in that place of a future possibility that I would be kidnapped and or murdered, and yet it never happened. So if I could put that much energy into something like that, we say we attract with our negative energy. Then why did I not attract a man in the alley, dark alleys of my life? That's just one example of many. I have people who come to me who are readers of my books, uh, readers of my books book, and my and uh, uh, listeners and clients who inform me that they've been struggling with this law of attraction and they're trying to get their thoughts in line so that they can you know just really stay positive stay positive stay positive that's the that's the credo of the law of attraction that we're supposed to stay positive always think positive never think any negative thoughts and yet they are still struggling a year later i've even had people tell me that you know they've put the vision boards up on their walls and they have one in their car and they've got one on their cell phone and they've just you know they've done this thing really trying to convince their minds that they live in this other world in which all of their dreams have come true, and yet nothing has changed. So what's going on there? Well, you know, lots of people would say, well, okay, well, it must be that old bad ego, right? The ego is tripping you up, and it is keeping you from getting what you want. So here's the thing. We need to get rid of that ego, okay? And what I will say to you is that that is the last thing on the planet we need to do. We do not need to be trying to get rid of our ego the ego is the negotiator, the liaison between the inner world and the external world. Without a liaison, the external world can just flood in over us and take over, or the internal world can flood out and take over the world so that we end up having hallucinations and delusions about life. So we can become, and as a matter of fact, in my field, the people with ego strength are the people who can manage their lives well, and the people without that ego strength as a regulator as a liaison, they might even become psychotic. So we don't want to get rid of ego. I want to say that declaratively. Um, but so many times what that's the advice we hear so okay, you should get rid of your old ego. it's bad, it's like devilish. And then on the other hand, when that doesn't work, well we've been trying to get rid of ego and I, I, we've been working vision boards and we've been thinking positive and you know we just don't let ourselves have a negative thought at all. But then we got that shadow. Well, that shadow it's got some nasty stuff in it and it's it's keeping you from from manifesting your dreams. That's what it is. It must be the shadow. So so let's go, you know, get get rid of shadow. Now we need to get rid of shadow. Well, first of all, we are not real clear about what all's in the shadow. <laughs> you know, what you could put into a thimble what we know about the human mind. We've only been studying it for about 150 years. And prior to that, all we had was philosophical understandings. Now, even only over the past 50 years have we begun to really hone in and study their neurology behind the human brain. So we just really don't know a whole lot about the the shadow. And so when it gets thrown around as this, uh, you know, word that we should just, oh, just go get rid of the shadow, we'll just, you know, go in there and clean that out, get all the bad stuff in there that's in there out, well... That's asking an awful lot, and there's this hurry-up principle to that. You know, you've got to hurry up and get rid of that nasty stuff in the shadow so that you can hurry up and manifest your dreams. And if you haven't done that well enough, well, you may have failed. Okay? Now, I said all this in a, uh, with somewhat of a sarcastic tone to my voice. I'm sure you've gotten that. But the reason I'm saying it that way is because we are actually sometimes harming people in the name of forcing this Law of Attraction into place when perhaps our current understanding of the Law of Attraction is not really as all that it's cracked up to be. Perhaps we need to go a little bit deeper. So here's what I'm wondering about. If our sacred texts don't really agree with the Law of, of, of Attraction as we have come to understand it, what is it that our sacred texts are saying? What I've discovered through studying uh, the Buddhist text, the Bhagavad Gita, um, the Christian texts and Hebrew texts, um, and also um, some of the uh, uh, texts from Islam, is that what we'd be encouraged to do is find and um, attract the soul, the divine self. And so... What I'm wondering about is, if it, is it possible that perhaps the law of attraction really is more about that, more about us being attracted to and by those circumstances, people, places, and things that will draw us closer to our own souls? Not closer to that million dollars, although that could be a part of it, but really closer to our own souls. But when we say that, we're like, oh, no, oh, darn, oh, no, you can't tell me that I can't have my million dollars. I was really dreaming of that. I really wanted that. Well, let's think about that for a minute. What did that, what was that million dollars going to get you? What was it going to get you? Was it going to get you peace of mind, maybe? Well, then maybe this, this way, the way the law of attraction might truly work, would get you to peace of mind even faster then you can obtain that million dollars. So, again, here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying you should not have a million (laughs) dollars. If you have a million dollars, great, use it. Um, If you don't have a million dollars and you want a million dollars and you have a pathway to get there, go for it. But here's the deal. If that is all there is to the law of attraction, then perhaps we're missing something. Because perhaps the external world is not... um, the thing that we're attracting. Perhaps it is the internal world that we're attracting. Perhaps we're being attracted to and by those things that will actually get us to know ourselves better, to know who we are as authentic beings, as divine authentic beings who actually can um, understand ourselves as peace, understand ourselves as joy, as love, as uh, beings of light, who understand the truth, who can walk into the truth and walk into the external world carrying the truth. What if, in fact, what we are meant to do is go and find our souls, be attracted to those things and circumstances and people and places that will bring us to our souls and go in there and really invest in that, in the soul. And then, because we've done that, the soul can then take over and give to our lives what it's what is meant to give our lives so and we have some more sacred texts we can talk about with regard to that some are christian some are hindu and some are uh the bhagavad gita of uh, the bhagavad gita is hindu um uh, some are islam uh rumi in particular um that we can look at to really sort of disclose some of this information but i just want you to take this first segment of the show and just consider the possibility that maybe the law of attraction is really about something different than the external world. We'll be back in a moment just to talk about this more. Stay tuned.
2: Awakened Media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
0: Think of the world.
2: Visit bloodsaves.com to learn more. This public service announcement was brought to you by the Ad Council. Listening on a higher dimension. Seventh Wave Network.
1: The show is sponsored by Spirituality and Health magazine, the Soul Body Connection, one of America's most prestigious spiritual magazines, which publishes six times a year and offers an amazing array of information for the seeker, both in print and online. Check them out at www.spiritualityhealth.com. So, okay, we've been talking today a little bit about uh, the law of attraction and asking the question, is the law of attraction really working? And what we've concluded is that yes, Sometimes, for some people, it seems to, be, seems to be working. Sometimes, for other people, it doesn't seem to be working. And those people for whom it is not working are struggling. Here's an example of what I mean. If you take somebody who is um, troubled already and you tell them not to think any negative thoughts and to think only positive thoughts, What's really happening there is that the person who who thinks that they must do this in order to have the life they desire is repressing all of the quote-unquote negative thoughts and feelings and pushing them into the unconscious so that they become shadow material, which means that they will only arise again later to have to be confronted again and repressed yet again. When that happens, what we'll tend to say is that the that old ego is just keeps coming back. It's so stuff and stubborn and strong. It's just not going to let go. Well, actually, what's happening is the repressed material is coming back out. And the reason it's coming back out is because it needs expression. It needs to be heard. It needs to be understood. And so, when we set, say to ourselves that we must always think positive thoughts, what we're doing is telling ourselves to repress material that will come back up later. And sometimes, not always. Be clear about that. Not always. Sometimes that repressed material comes back up in the form of some kind of self-sabotage. And then we say, oh, there's that bad old shadow. It's being bad, and it's self-sabotaged us. But really, if we hadn't repressed the stuff in the first place, perhaps it wouldn't have had to do that to get our attention. So perhaps we need to rethink this whole idea that thinking only positive thoughts is going to get us only positive results. Um, One of the things that Jesus said um, that we... uh, have uh, not really taken into consideration is uh, the idea that, uh, that that it rains on both the good and the bad, um, that it doesn't just, uh, bad things don't just happen to bad people and good things don't just happen to good people. There's another text that has been uh, quoted very often uh, and has been attributed to Jesus, uh, but actually was written by Paul in the letter of Galatians in which it was said that we reap what we sow and that statement has been used quite a bit by a lot of people who espouse the law of attraction um, and and say, saying that essentially we're going to get what we've put out there so we're going to if we put out positive we're going to get positive if we put out negative we're going to get negative and uh, but actually that statement was not made by Jesus in fact Jesus said it rains on the good and the bad alike And he seemed to understand better than Paul that really our results are not always consequential. So that there's not always a cause and effect, or it doesn't seem to be a cause and effect at least, between a positive thought and a positive result, nor a negative thought and a negative result. Certainly if, if I was able to attract with that powerful, powerful energy that went on for years about my man in the dark alley, then I would have had a man in the dark alley, but I did not. So... One of the things that Jesus did say that is often uh, neglected by fundamentalists is this. He said, Has it not been written in your law, I said, you are gods? He was referring to the scripture of Psalm 82.6 that said, I said, all of you are gods, and all of you are sons of the Most High. Now that's, that's a very, very interesting statement. And that's not the only place that that's said, of course. That is also said quite a bit in the Bhagavad Gita, and uh, very clearly, as a matter of fact, said in the Bag of that uh, in which we are told that uh, uh, the, the that the, the we are the divine self, and that the divine self is what we're really after inside of ourselves. So it's important for us to really get a hold of this thing. Um, and of course, I'm, I'm, i have a book that is going to be published um, in between the summer and the fall of 2011 that is called The Law of Attraction, right now, called The Law of Attraction, um, and the subtitle is The Unadulterated Truth About Why It Isn't Working and How It Can. Um, and I'm going to go into a lot more detail in that book about what I'm talking about here so that you can be very, very clear when it comes out. But um, it's important at this point to just begin to understand that our sacred texts don't seem to agree with our current understanding of the Law of Attraction. And a matter of fact, One of the things that the Bhagavad Gita says, uh, which is sacred Hindu scripture, better indeed is knowledge than mechanical practice. Better than knowledge is meditation, but better still is surrender of attachment to results, because there follows immediate peace. Now we hear that idea about attachment not being attached to results, being thrown around quite a bit. So what we're told to do with the Law of Attraction is to imagine, do our vision board in the morning, do a meditation meditation, that uh, allows us to really imagine ourselves in the place we want to be and then let it go and thank, thank uh, God or whomever we're thanking for the day as it is and then come back in the evening and do the same thing. And all during the day, we're not to think any negative thoughts or have any doubts or uncertainties or anything like that. And we're supposed to um, just hold on to that idea. So we are in the now, in which we don't have our dream. We're also in our heads kind of in the future where we will have our dream, and there's that inner conflict that we're creating. And then um, there's also the mechanical nature of that practice, which the Bhagavad Gita tells us that knowledge is so much better than. So um, surrender of attachment to results means entire surrender. If you think about it, surrender of attachment to results is complete surrender. It means that we stop looking for results that we stop looking to, to something in the outer world to give us what we already own in the inner world. We are gods. We already are that. And if that is true, then we already own everything, and everything already owns us. So what is there to attract? So perhaps maybe the law of attraction is all about us beginning to be able to see ourselves as those people that are gods, so that we're not in the business of attracting, but we're in the business of being. So we hear that out there. You know, there's a lot of people out there talking about being as opposed to doing. And yet, we have this contradictory voice that seems to be saying to us that we need to be about the business of doing the work of the law of attraction, thinking positive, having positive images, images, um, using only positive energy, not being around anything negative so that we can't watch TV because it might be negative. We can't watch the news because it might be negative. We can't hang out with negative people because they might be negative and they might influence us. We can't tell anybody what we're up to because they might tell us that we're uh, being crazy or stupid and that might make us doubt ourselves, so we can't be around that. So what we're doing is essentially cloistering, cloistering ourselves off from the world in order to get the world to be what we want it to be. Um, so I would say that that um, actually, if you think about it, has has some potential for some people to create a very isolative and even illusionary existence. Uh, we can make some pretty serious errors of judgment when we cut ourselves off from the world and live only in our own imaginations. And uh, so that... That might not be the best way to go about this. And, and, but I have many people who are really striving to go about their lives this way. And while they're positive, they're, they're really trying to be positive. But when they're negative, they sink into the slew of despond because they feel so ashamed that they have failed. They have not been able to make this thing happen for themselves yet. And they just are struggling and wondering why it is that other people seem to get the results. How come they haven't gotten the results? And my answer to that is because that's not your life. That's somebody else's life. And that's what they have done. That's what they need. That's what they're doing to attract and be attracted to their own authenticity. That might not be what you're doing to attract and be attracted to your own authenticity. And so the name of the game is not to go seeking after somebody else's vision, somebody else's life, or somebody else's words even, somebody else's knowledge even. The, the the object of the game is to find my own soul, my own spirit, my own beingness, my own inner truth. And from there, then, from there, I can give myself my life. In the Western culture, we have been predominantly run by a what's called in Jungian terms a masculine ar- archetype. By masculine archetype, what Jung meant was sort of a structure-driven, linear-driven Way of looking at life. Now, in a healthy, there is a healthy way to be masculine, and we're going to get to that. Let me be clear. I'm not talking about masculine gender. I'm talking about masculine archetype, and there's a big difference. Okay. So, any men out there who are listening, we're not talking bad about you. What we're saying is that the masculine archetype is one in which um, there is, uh, from that uh, Western culture, it's very linear. It's very results-driven. It's very externalized. It's very structured. It's very um, uh, individualist, um, independent, um, giving up things for the cause, that kind of thing. That's the that's the Western Westernized version of the masculine archetype. The feminine archetype, on the other hand, is a receiver. It is the part of us that receives, and it it wants to understand before it stands it wants to um, be aware before it goes out into the world to try to take things from the world it wants to get before it gives it wants to uh, really understand walk around explore instead of try to close it down and put it in a box so you see the difference between the two and 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 in our our western culture it's my theory that perhaps maybe the current understanding of the law of attraction has been snatched away by that masculine archetype in which we are driven to go after some external goal by controlling ourselves instead of by learning to receive ourselves and then give to ourselves from that reception what is true for our lives. That would be the feminine archetype and much more of an Eastern approach. So um, I think that One of the things we might need to consider is how we're going about this. Am I pushing and shoving myself into a place that's a little skinny, narrow place where I'm supposed to do only one thing and that's think positive and never have a negative emotion and never have a negative thought? Am I doing that? If I'm really doing that, is that really, really living? Is that really living? Or is it just trying to cram myself into a little place so I can get something? There's some form of magical thinking there. There's some form of bargaining. If I can control my thoughts, then I will have what I want. If, then. That's a bargain. Whereas beingness creates no bargains. The bargain, is, There is no bargain in beingness. There is just simply going within to be with that, to just be with that. And then because we are with that, we will um, be given by our souls what is true for our lives. There's a long um, sermon that Jesus preached uh, on in uh, one of his um, um, speeches that he made to people about um, how he could go about, how we could go about living in this world where sometimes suffering occurs, and we're going to talk about that speech right after the break, so stay tuned, we're going to learn some more about what the real Law of Attraction has to tell us.
0: There you go. You don't have to be perfect to be a perfect parent. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1 888 200 4005. A public service announcement brought to you by Adopt U.S. Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Wellness Network.
2: Hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment rising to levels not seen since the Great Depression. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time noon pacific time on the voice america business channel awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
1: and we're back talking today about the question, is the law of attraction really working? And what we've discovered thus far is that for some people it is, or it seems to be, and for some people it's not. And we've talked a good deal about um, why that might be. And right now, what I said I was going to do was um, quote for you a uh, uh, part of what Jesus said to us about this whole issue of the law of attraction. It's a pretty long little piece, so hang with me just a second. For this reason I say to you, do not worry about your life as to what you will eat, nor for your body as to what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap. They have no storeroom nor barn, and yet God feeds them. How much more valuable are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to his life span? If then you cannot do even a very little thing, why do you worry about other matters? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, but I tell you, not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, how much more will he clothe you, you men of little faith? And do not seek what you will eat and what you will drink, and do not keep worrying, for all these things the nations of the world eagerly seek, your father knows that you need these things, but his kingdom But seek his kingdom and these things will be added to you. Now one of the things in that passage that is very important is that life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Life is that river that flows beneath everything we do and say and think. It's that essential fire within us that never goes out. So if that's true, how can it be that the, that life can be scarce or can suffer lack or can go about naked? So you have to notice here that Jesus does not say, if we think positive thoughts, then we will wear clothes finer than those worn by Solomon. He doesn't say, if we do a vision board and work to visualize our dreams twice a day, then will we be fed and clothed mentally, emotionally, physically, and spiritually. He simply says that it's our right, for we're one with ultimate consciousness of the divine self, something he would call the Father. There's another uh, verse in the Bhagavad Gita that says this, those who know me as their own divine self break through the belief that he is the body and, and are not reborn as separate creatures. Such a one, Arjuna, is united with me. So there he's clearly saying as, uh, that we are here to become being. We are here to be being. Further, it says, I pervade the entire universe in my unmanifested form. All creatures find their existence in me, but I am not limited by them. Behold this divine mystery, and so we see that there's so much more going on here. There's a mystery to things that we don't even understand, and yet we're trying to encapsulate all of that in this little narrow place that says, "Think only positive thoughts, and you'll have only positive things." So, uh, as an example, so a fictitious example of some of the stories I've heard about this. Um, I've had people talk to me and tell me that they've been working really, really hard to, um, to establish their dream in the world and that they've been working this law of attraction even as long as a year and they've been really working it. I mean, working it with three vision boards and really doing the meditation every day and really staying positive and really working it and they haven't seen any results and they're, and they're wondering what's going on and so they go see a healer and I want to put this disclaimer in here. There are lots of really wonderful healers out there. I'm probably talking to you some of, to some of you right now. So this is not meant to say all healers would do this. But they go to a healer, and the healer says, "Well, here's what the problem is. You need to get rid of your ego. And so, and so here's how you need to do that. You need to um, really work hard to change your thinking about who you, uh, how you see your life, and uh, really." Uh, try to get rid of that thing because it's in the way. So the person's like, okay, I've got to get rid of my ego, so the way I'm going to do that is I'm really going to work hard to think even more positive thoughts. But that doesn't seem to work either, and then they go back to the healer, and the healer says, okay, well, maybe it's not your your um, ego, maybe it's your shadow. Maybe the shadow is the problem. And you know what, by the way, I think I can see in there that you were perhaps, um, you're, you're, you haven't yet uh, forgiven your father, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to go... Uh, to see your father for the abuses that, and, and talk to him about the abuses that he committed on you when you were a child. and I want you to forgive him. So, so the person goes to the jail where the father is now, and, and he says, you know, he, he, he tries to talk to his dad and tries to forgive his dad, but instead of walking out of there peacefully, he walks out of there filled with anger. So then he goes back to the, the healer. He says, well, what's going on? I'm just so angry. I, I'm so angry at my father. And the healer says, oh, no, you have to get rid of that anger. You can't be angry and attract good things to yourself because anger is a negative energy. So you can't attract good things that way. So you have to get rid of that anger. So the guy works really, really hard to get rid of the anger, and finally he's able to finally repress it, and it goes away. And then he gets attracted to someone who reminds him of dear old dad. And then, you know, maybe he writes to me or comes to see me as a client. Again, this is a fictitious story but uh, made of a compilation of lots and lots of stories I've heard. Um, And he he comes to see me, and it turns out that, in fact, he'd never been angry at his father, uh, or never consciously been angry at his father, prior to the point of going to see his father in jail. Um, And really what had happened was he had defined himself by the abuse his father had given him, rather than being angry at his father. And this is the first time in his life he's been angry at his father, and actually, the anger is a healing tool that will help him to find himself, to get his self back. He'd been giving up himself for years and years and years for other people because he never allowed himself to feel angry at his father. So he's this person has been misguided along the lines of, you have to get rid of negative energy. You have to get rid of negative feelings. You have to think only positive thoughts. Because if you do that, then you can finally have your dreams. And really when it got past all that was said and done what the guy really wanted was peace of mind and and by by working with his anger he found peace of mind but he'd been told by people who were espousing the law of attraction that if he felt that if he felt that anger he would never have his dream which ultimately amounted to peace of mind but the way he got it again was through something called a negative feeling so we, we're, we're really trying to stick ourselves in a really narrow, narrow, unrealistic place when we say that the only way that the law of attraction can work is for it to work with positive and negative energies. The whole idea of positive and negative energies came about as a result of fear. Um, we, 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 we came up with this whole thing of positive and negative. We made up this whole thing about good and evil because that seemed to be what, what worked, you know, if, if my crops aren't coming good this year, well, then maybe it's because I've been bad, and maybe the gods are punishing me. So I'll be really good, and I'll make really good sacrifices, and then next year, guess what, I had a good crop. Well, guess what, that must have been because I was really good, and we put those things together in a kind of a cause-and-effect pattern, and we began to believe that, in fact, we had attracted that, those good crops by being really, really good, and the gods were good to us because we did the right thing. Um, and yet that's uh, what the whole book of Job in and, and the Christian Bible and the, and the Hebrew text is all about, is, is that whole story that, no, we don't suffer because we've been bad. We don't suffer because we've been bad. We don't, we don't get good things because we've been good. We suffer because we're here in this world of duality in which suffering is a part of our experience that brings us closer to understanding that we could never be separated from God. This grand experience, this grand experiment we're doing with duality that says that perhaps we could be separated from God, is false. But we have to learn that through experience. That's the only way we can learn it. So we have to have this experience. We have to begin to understand after repeating the experience enough times that we finally get it that it says, really, you can't be separated from God. There's no way. You are God. And so, therefore... Our, our, our co- seeming consequences for being bad, could, how could they be valid? If we're gods, how could we be drawing bad stuff to ourselves? Well, we could say that, oh, well, no, that's not the God part of us. That's the ego part of us that's drawing bad stuff to us. That's the shadow part of us. Well, if we're not conscious of ourselves of God, as God, then God is in the shadow of us. So how is it only the bad stuff that's coming forth and attracting to us? that it doesn't fall down into really making sense when we really think about it. So we have to maybe begin to rethink this whole principle, that maybe we can expand our thinking about the law of attraction rather than narrow our thinking about the law of attraction to include the possibility that perhaps the law of attraction is drawing something bigger, better, taller, wider, fatter, and more abundant than just something from the external world we'll talk to more about it in the final segment in just a few minutes
2: awakened media for a transforming world 7th wave network
0: america is facing a skilled workforce shortage Skills USA can help. What is Skills USA? Skills USA is
2: life-changing.
0: Skills USA is awesome.
2: Skills USA is one of the biggest opportunities life can give you. Skills USA is amazing. Skills USA is motivating. Skills
0: USA specifically prepares you for the workforce. Skills USA empowers students to connect with a network of people starting with their classmates, to their
2: advisors, to other people in their states. You live for the firsts in your child's life, but how do you cope with the firsts that come after your child is diagnosed with cancer? CureSearch.org connects you to the doctors and scientists whose collaborative research has turned childhood cancer from a nearly incurable disease to one with an overall cure rate of 78%. CureSearch.org. You're not as alone as you feel. Brought to you by CureSearch and the Ad Council.
0: That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
1: We're back with the final segment of the Authentic Living Show today, and what we've been talking about is the question, is the law of attraction really working? And what we've concluded is that While the law of attraction, as we currently understand it, was a great start, it's not yet gone far enough. And you know, one of the things that Buddha said was, there's only two mistakes one can make along the road to truth, not going all the way and not starting. Well, we did start, but we have not gone all the way yet, because all the way would bring us to our souls. We're at a crossroads in our thinking about the law of attraction. Either we're going to keep doing the same old thing harder, looking for different results, or we're going to begin to discredit the law of attraction altogether. Um, The book that I've written, The Law of Attraction, The Unadulterated Truth About Why It Isn't Working and How It Can, which is going to be coming out in the spring or summer of of next year, 2011, uh, tells us that we don't really have to do either. We can simply revise our definition of the law to find real peace. And that revision will be along the lines of finding our souls. Um, The idea is that... uh, We can bridge the gap between the so-called negative and the so-called positive in a way that allows us to just be in that deep inner space of power and peace. Um, We can find real resolution to the conflict between the ego and the higher mind and between the ego and the shadow, merging all into the oneness that is beingness, offering once and for all a potential settlement for this perpetual state of internal unrest, which we've been in for centuries trying to... uh, lay ourselves one way, on one end of the polarity of the other between the good-evil conflict. Uh, the book, The Law of Attraction, as I said, like I said, that I've written and coming out in the spring or summer of next year, this book allows readers to see that they're not helpless victims of the random forces of life, but neither must they continually wage war with the parts of themselves that do not seem to want to come into compliance with their affirmations. Finally, peace is readily available right here, right now. And, you know, so many today are talking about 2012 as a time of awakening, a time that will usher in a new freedom and wholeness. What greater opportunity will there be to awaken and to get a new version of this law of attraction that brings us to our souls, not to just um, all the externals we can attract and say, see, I now have all these things that give me what? What do they give me? Happiness, peace of mind. Once we have all those things, will we really have happiness and peace of mind if we've given up our own souls for them? And that's essentially what we do when we say we are going to repress all of our negative thoughts and energies. We're going to shut that part of us down and not think a negative thought and not feel a negative feeling and be totally positive all the time. So we need to bridge that gap between those two things. We need to open this thing up. It's gotten too narrow. It's gotten to a place where some of us are not able to breathe. So we need to be able to, to let in some light here be able to expose ourselves to something that is more true than just the the idea that, that we attract um, all these negative or positive circumstances in our lives. The greater truth is that we are attracting all of those people, places, things, circumstances, and events in our lives that and are attracted by those things that will bring us closer and closer to knowing who we are. And it's not defined by by somebody who tells us that if we're not doing it this way, then we've failed. It's not defined that way. It's defined by a journey to beingness. And it's your journey. It's nobody else's journey. It's yours. It belongs 100% to you. And you know what? You cannot fail. You cannot fail. There's a passage in the, uh, one of the um, prophets of the Old Testament Bible and in the, in the Hebrew text that says, uh, my word shall not return to me empty. And if we take the word there as the I am, that it does seem to indicate that it is, and, and you know we're going to need to talk about that more. And actually the book does talk about that more. But if we take the word as the I am, the deeper self, the soul, then what it's saying is the soul will not return after death empty. It will accomplish that which it set out to accomplish. So really... There's not a single life out there that fails. Even those that we think fail because they look so bad, maybe they've come here to experience something we can't understand. I don't always understand that. There is a great deal of mystery to all of life, and I really want to lean into that mystery when I say we don't really understand all that's going on. But I think that it's important for us to recognize that an expanded view is probably going to get us to greater peace than a narrow, limited view that on either side of which means we've failed. So I really want to say that. reason why I want to say that is because I've seen so many people, heard so many people, listened to so many people tell me that this law of attraction is just, they're trying so hard to make it work, and it's just not working, and why isn't it working? It's not something wrong with the law. It must be something wrong with me. It must be something wrong with me. What am I doing wrong, Andrea? That's what they say to me. And what I say to them is, Let's, let's get out of this narrow little place and rethink this. Let's think about you as a person. Let's look at your journey. Instead of trying to fit your journey into some scripted format that means you're supposed to be doing it a certain way. So anytime we're doing that, we are repressing material, and the material is going to come back out. Because if it is true that the soul does want us to get whatever whatever is blocking us, if, it, if that really is true what the soul wants us to get, what blocks us out of the way, then certainly repression is not going to do that. It's just going to keep those blocks right there, hidden down in the unconscious, and keep them from really um, being able to be addressed in a way that's healthy and informative. We want to be able to look at what's there inside of us, look at it, receive it, see it, let it become a part of the answer to our lives. So... When we think of, like, for example, negative thoughts, let's say doubt is a negative thought. Well, really, is it? Is it negative? I mean, if a doubt can be explored, doesn't it bring us to ask some questions that might be very valid, that might need some real answers, and perhaps we can come to some answers. Maybe we can't come to total answers because there is still mystery. But maybe we can get some answers, and certainly we can get some answers about our own lives. So... If I've got doubts about whether or not the law of attraction is working, am I betraying some New Age movement? Really? We're going to betray a movement and really lose our own lives for it? No. This has got to be bigger. It's got to be more real. It's got to be more true. And it's got to be yours. And it can't be yours if you're giving all the power to somebody else's prescription for how your life ought to run. So I would I would challenge you, if you're listening to this today, to think about your journey as a sacred mission to find your own divine self and so that's it for today but we'll be talking more about this on other occasions and if you are looking for something cool to do during hot dog day afternoons in august tune in next week we'll be talking to joan borcinko about guilt and then we'll be talking to gary Zukov. we'll be coming back to the show um, the week after that and then we'll be talking again to Dr. Clarissa Pinkola Estes, who will be coming back on the 18th. So we got a hot month coming up. Stay cool. Listen to the show till then. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself.
0: Thanks again for listening to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Join us again next Wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, here on the 7th Wave Network. We'll talk again next week.